0: From Equality Arizona, you're listening to the Arizona Equals Conversation. I'm Gene Woodbury. I'm the Interim Executive Director at Equality Arizona and the host of this podcast. Each week on the show, I talk with a queer person living in Arizona about the map of their life. Uh, in this episode, talking with MJ, we actually ran into a literal mapping issue trying to meet up to record the conversation. And I left a little bit of that in because it bridged nicely into the conversation. My guest today, MJ, is a fairly recent transplant to Arizona, but has been able to make some pretty great community ties in the year that they've lived here. You'll hear them mention their wife, Jess, a few times, who works at the Tempe Public Library. We don't really include that context up front, so I felt like it'd be good to mention that here. MJ's own career as a queer movement specialist brought us to some really wonderful conversations about gender-affirming surgery and the recovery process after that. This is an experience we were both able to talk about personally, and it was really meaningful for me to have that conversation. I also felt like it was really interesting to talk with a British trans person to get their perspective on the political trajectory of their home country, which has unfortunately seen the rise a pretty dangerous anti-trans movement. These people sometimes describe themselves as gender critical, but another term that's used frequently to describe them is TERF, T-E-R-F, which is short for Transgender Exclusionary Radical Feminist, and we say that word uh, without actually explaining it, so I'm including that explanation here up front. And for one final note before we start the episode, I ran into a few audio issues with this recording, and I've done my best to correct those, but it's not perfect. Also, this episode is being published the day after election day, but I'm recording this the Monday before, which means whenever you're listening to this, you definitely know more than I do right now. You can find more up-to-date information from us on our website, social media, or through our newsletter, equalityarizona.substack.com, which is the same place we publish this podcast. And with that, let's get into the interview.
1: mj my pronouns are they them
0: Thank, thanks for meeting me of thanks course, for being Gene, on the I'm show i'm so today. sorry
1: about the timing
0: oh no worries okay. at all i think um for whatever reason the maps just don't work super well no. in this area yeah it I, sent I don't me don't to like
1: i said just past 22nd definitely not here <laughs> <laughs> not even on a uh, camelback i was on like highland for a while as well and i oh was like oh my gosh wow definitely yeah, said no. camelback i'm yeah. not in the right place <laughs>
0: Do you live in this area?
1: live in Tempe. Okay. And I've only lived in Tempe for um, a little while now. Uh, so I was uh, explaining to them I don't even have the confidence to, like, drive around to try figure it out. I'm oh, just right. Like, no, I'm just fully lost.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so how long have you been in Tempe then?
1: Uh, been in Tempe for, I guess, nearly a year now, but it still feels like...
0: That's still really recent. Months, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. but um, we moved here for Jess's work with the library. So. Okay,
0: that makes yeah. sense. How did you feel about moving to Arizona? I think, you know, for a lot of people, unless they have a reason, maybe that's not their first inclination.
1: Yeah, definitely not my uh, first choice, but like so more than happy to like support Jess. This job has been phenomenal for her. She loves it. And Tempe itself as a city is it's lovely and nice and mm-hmm. has its pros. Um, but leaving California was hard.
0: Yeah, I, I odd. think, you know, I, I love Tempe. I grew up in Tempe, but. California has a lot more opportunity in uh-huh. a lot of cases depending on what you're trying to do absolutely leaving California for you I imagine you had to leave some things behind how oh. long were you there for uh
1: so I was in California I think like five to six years like okay. the move, it kind of crossed that uh five and a half years line so yeah I um so I originally got to California from England for school okay UC Davis for a year abroad I was like oh, I very much want to live in California. California <laughs> uh, yeah. I also met Jess, fell in love, had a great like, long-distance romance <laughs> for a Uh-oh. while, and agreed that I'd uh, move to the States uh, to live here, California here. So yeah, I was there for about five, six years. Uh, yeah, definitely left you know, friends and community. Right. Uh, in a way, I feel like I left also some resources for, as a queer trans person. Yeah. Um, but we have family here. Jess's family is here. Uh, and I'm starting to build community here with organizations like yours, so it's working out.
0: What were some of those resources that you feel like you haven't been able to supplement here?
1: Absolutely. I feel like, uh, I guess I would call it like more convenient access to gender confirmation surgery. Like I know it's available right. in Arizona, um, but it definitely felt like an easier process. Uh, Can you California.
0: walk me through... What you're seeing as the difference between, like, very easy in California, very uh, obscure maybe in Arizona? Absolutely.
1: So, uh, so I had top surgery in California. Okay. That process was going to my doctor, explaining that that was the surgery that I needed, them uh, referring me to a um, gender mental health specialist within that insurance. This is all within the insurance oh, system nice. okay. of a uh, Kaiser. And then that therapist going, Yes, you have gender dysphoria. You need top surgery. And then, uh, then that was it. it was, uh, uh, there was only one surgeon in the area I was in. He then ended up moving. Uh, oh, gosh. <laughs> that was, that was <laughs> very unexpected. My sur- Well, pandemic happened. I should put that first.
0: So this is all during the pandemic or kind the, of overlapping the beginning? The beginning
1: of 2020, so January. Oh, wow. My 2020 okay. resolution was I'm going to get top surgery.
0: Yeah.
1: And I started it in January. Got to meeting my surgeon, I think, in, it must have been before the lockdown, but that also seems really quick. But I, I do think it was lockdown. And then the issue was that the wait list got lengthened because everything locked down for that period of time. Right. So I was supposed to have surgery um, September of 2020, but because of everything, it got pushed back to more like November time. Okay. And my surgeon left the area in September. He, he did his last <laughs> surgery and then was like, bye. Uh, I, I found out a th- through a friend who he had been their top surgeon. I never directly heard from the insurance. You never
0: got notified? No.
1: God. I will say that was not an ideal no. <laughs> part of the insurance process. But everything else up until then, quick, efficient, mm-hmm. great. And so uh, then it was a waiting game. I'd call the insurance back regularly, be like, is there a surgeon? And then, no okay. And I call back like a couple of weeks later. Is there a surgeon now? No, Uh, but I kept doing it until one day they called me and said there was a surgeon in Santa Rosa. I got in contact with uh, that department and they offered me a surgery in two weeks. So I went from like, I had about six months from, from kind of early March to September plan to nothing for the foreseeable future to, get it in two weeks Uh, so I ended up having top surgery December of 2020 and then here I got a revision done here um very common top surgery yeah very common um and so that process not at all covered by insurance so difference number one yep they wouldn't cover it uh still a fairly quick process but by no means accessible
0: so I had surgery here Mm. in Arizona and what really resonated with me from your story is that very last minute the date fell through. Yeah. Right. And now what am I going to do? Right. And what you're describing is that you were doing everything in network so they could Mm. refer you, they could connect you still very unsettling and and everything. But for me, it was like, Oh, I don't have all the letters I need. And most of the people who can do this aren't even, they don't even take insurance. I have to get a list from my surgeon, of people who might be able to meet with me. And I have to do this in enough time so that it doesn't expire expire, and right. everything.
1: It's ridiculous. Crazy
0: situation. Yeah.
1: I'm sorry that happened to you. That's so stressful.
0: At least it wasn't during the <laughs> pandemic. <I mean. laughs>
1: hey, it, it worked out. No, it did work out. It was, um, yeah. actually, they said they were like, this ward was never used for any COVID situations. It would just shut down when it wasn't when they weren't doing surgery so they're like it's strangely one of the safest wards we have surgeries (laughs) during the pandemic and i was like great fine perfect about it yeah Yeah. (laughs) yep no it's so it i understand to a degree it's i'm sure it's not people's fault things fall through. i'm sure my surgeon left for a reason sure but it it feels personal. I don't know if yours felt personal. But oh. You're like, this means everything <sighs> to me and you've just taken yeah. it away.
0: It felt very, very personal. Yeah. There was a unique situation in my case that right. made it feel even more personal. more personal. But, you know, something I wonder about is making a move like that during the pandemic. Mm. The pandemic changes how you relate to the place you're in. Like so many people relocated because they realized, well, I can just do this job from a cheaper housing market. Mm-hmm. Did you have any kind of similar experience to that?
1: Yeah, I, I think it was interesting because uh, my wife, Jess, started looking for a new job pretty much like then, like oh, March wow. 2020, okay. yeah. uh, a job had come up in San Diego that she was really interested in. Mm-hmm. She was like, how do you feel about living in San Diego? And I was like, I feel like it's expensive. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but through the entire, through all of 2020, until she got offered the job here in 2021, um yeah she was she was looking for work. I think she felt you know, she was done with that area of California in and definitely looking for that next step in her career and I don't by any means uh like resent her for that. She's brilliant in what she does and deserves to be like top of it i yeah. think <laughs> <laughs> um but it was it was strange to be you know shut at home a home that I was very happy and content in right on the verge of being ripped away from it, but during a time where everything was different anyway. So like.
0: Exactly. It felt
1: not as probably impactful as it had been without a pandemic, but then the pandemic stress on top of the potential move. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't, wouldn't put anyone else through that, but if anyone like decided to up and leave where they were for convenience, like absolutely. Yeah. Like Arizona is so much cheaper than California. It
0: still is, yeah. 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 Despite, I think I read that Phoenix has had the most highest rate of inflation Mm. of any city in the country, which is still so much cheaper than California. Yeah,
1: it's challenging. You're like, that's not good. It's better than what I had before, so this conflicting feeling there.
0: And so, if you've been here for a little less than a year Mm. or about a year, I would assume that means probably a lot of the lockdown restrictions were. Mostly lifted when you first moved here. Yeah. What was that? Well, I mean, was it different in California compared to Arizona around that time?
1: Uh, I think so, but I also think, uh, I think a lot shifted in California coincidentally after we left mm. as well. Okay. We came to Arizona, so it was um, November of 2021, okay. and um, like, no one was masking in stores, and that was weird for me because where we were, at least inside. Grocery shopping, yeah. the majority of people were still wearing masks. And so to come to this environment and like, no one was. I was like, it's different. It's different. Yeah. They have a different attitude to it. And I think only a couple of weeks, if not a month later, all mask, mask mandates got dropped. So before it was people just not doing it. And then it was like, you have permission to not do it. And they were like, yeah. great, we we're not doing it anymore. <laughs> I was already doing that. Yeah. 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 So it definitely like, it's challenging. I have a, complicated relationship with California in that mm. I feel like I loved it. I think I would move back if somebody gave a golden opportunity of like, We've bought your house, your mortgage covered. Don't worry <laughs> about the cost, I'd be like, great.
0: Right. I <laughs> yeah.
1: don't think it's as liberal haven as it is portrayed to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think and, that's probably true. Right. So But of course Arizona like, isn't very liberal. No, no. Although maybe different. it's the flip side, it's not as much of a conservative Hellscape, as people, as think, people it think it yeah, is. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Uh, so, Tempe, come into Phoenix, and have been to Tucson, and at least those three areas, I feel like, have amazing resources that I didn't.
0: Yeah. Well, expect. Tucson is beautiful, and I think it also has one of the larger, more organized trans communities. I've heard
1: that. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: I, I have heard that. You know. Yeah. I I really enjoyed Tucson. Um. Yeah. Just in comparison, so we were in Sacramento, now in Tempe them as cities, not that different politically
0: Mm.
1: from my very minuscule, not super (laughs) involved perspectives. But, you know, Sacramento is the capital of California. You'd expect to be a bit more liberal than than other parts. But there were tons of non liberal and attitudes there (laughs) as well.
0: (laughs) And then coming here at that point, November 2021, I guess the weather's nice, so that's not too much of a shock, right?
1: The weather's lovely, but growing up in England, even having lived in California mm. for five years, it's hot.
0: Yeah. It's hot. Oh, no, no, it's, it's very bad. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> even the winter, to me, like, Arizona winter, at least this part of Arizona winter, is very much like gorgeous English summer.
0: Yes, that's what I've heard, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah.
1: So. so to me, everyone's, like, in coats. And wrapped up. And I'm like, it's still quite hot. Everywhere. It's still it's still very much shorts and t-shirt weather. But having just done summer here, that was a lot. That was a lot.
0: Was that a regret moment for you?
1: <laughs> no, because we have air conditioning. Thank
0: right. whoever's
1: responsible for that. Um, but yeah, God, without that, like...
0: Oh, right, it's, yeah. yeah. It's really comparable. the only reason we can have a city here is, is air conditioning. Yeah,
1: yeah absolutely. It, uh, it is bafflingly hot to me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, England had that heat wave for like two days this summer around these temperatures. I I remember
0: seeing that in the news.
1: Yes, the country fell apart. We're not made for that kind of heat. So it's so interesting now to live where that heat is like the average, the norm. Right. And then compare it to what I grew up in and just so different.
0: Yeah. (laughs) This is maybe a little far afield, but thinking about England, Mm -hmm. um, there's been a really kind of Insurgent turf movement there. Uh, do you ever? Does that enter into your life and your experience? Is that something that you think about when you think about home?
1: Yeah, I definitely think England I left is not the England of today. Hundred uh, percent. Jess and I have this conversation, semi regularly about because um, I moved. I moved here officially, uh, like visa, green card, getting it all. Very end of 2015. You'll remember what happened in 2016.
0: Right, Brexit. So,
1: Brexit and yeah. Trump. And Trump, yeah. So I think if Brexit hadn't happened, I think Jess and I would have had a serious conversation about to the UK.
0: That makes sense. Instead,
1: but Brexit did happen. And England has tripled down on Brexit at every possible vote, which I don't understand. <laughs> I'm not very against it. It's destroying the country. Um, and so, yeah, I have this really conflicting relationship now, where I'm not patriotic in that way, and especially not from an American standpoint, where it can be a very big part of the American identity, it's not so much in in at least my experience of England. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I'm definitely disappointed <laughs> in my country as a whole, uh, the politics that are like, and yeah. dominating the country. Uh, and I definitely every now and again when I'm like, oh, would I move? back would we move back uh, and i think in this current state no and i oh, think yeah. there'd have to be a big political change um i mean to consider it again the way it maybe would again if yeah. brexit and policies happen
0: yeah and it feels like those are related the kind of isolationism and the transphobia yeah. and 100 it, percent. it's now.
1: similar brexit and trump i feel gave voices Right. Like, yeah, no, you can say these things and you can hurt these people and you can do this. It's yeah. allowed. Is a law to make it allowed. Ah! No.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Ow! <laughs> so, yeah, no, absolutely. I completely agree with you. I think they're very linked.
0: That's not an experience I, I really can relate to very much because I've been in Arizona my whole life. Right. So there's no, like, is Arizona? Cause there's nowhere to go back to. It's just here. Okay. And I've traveled a lot and I've thought, oh, could I live here? Could I live there? And maybe, but partly it's like, is it better anywhere right. else? Like, mm-hmm. what's going to make the difference for me as a trans person with the way things are headed kind of just on a broad cultural level? I, I think, you know, an, another experience I had, despite the fact that I've lived here my whole life, is that when I started to figure out my gender stuff and figure out that I was queer, I did not know where the community was. Mm-hmm. I just did not know where to find that. I grew up in Tempe, not in, like, downtown Tempe, and I think partly just it wasn't actually around me. Right. I had to seek it out. Did it take you time to find that here? Or were you able to find that faster?
1: Uh, I was able to find that faster for one reason. And one, we you know them, love them, Brick Road Coffee. <laughs> Without Brick Road, I tell Gabe and Jesse this all the time so much. Without Brick Road, my experience would be completely and utterly different. Wow. So much more isolated, so much more alone, and I think way less okay. I'm lucky to have moving uh, here, uh, having Brick Road, having Gabe and Jesse, their employees, uh, the programs they put together, the LGBT book club run with the Tempe Library, the yeah. Dungeons and Dragons nights, the like open mic nights, and just such community focus that they have, and and frankly, giving me reason to leave the house, going to get a great iced coffee yeah. from a small business that I'm over 100% okay with supporting. I don't have to second guess, like, where's <laughs> my money going to? Which terrible billionaire am I actually putting money in the pocket of? Right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm
1: like, no, I'm just supporting two nominal community members and their business, which is so, like, community-made, community-focused. And, yeah, so I've found community here, but only because of brick road and that that was a place for the community i think to to start coming to and i
0: think they had just opened yeah Yeah. at at that time
1: so they they did their like grand opening i believe early january they'd done a very soft opening i think from october uh and but i think they'd either just started their social media like jess sent me a screenshot of their instagram or something like oh yeah the day it was posted and i was like yeah here i'll go We'll get a coffee. I can. I can leave the house. <laughs> like, sure. And I. I went, and it was just um, Taylor. Taylor's one of my favorite baristas there. Good and iced oat milk latte. Because it's queer. What else am I going to get? <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, that that was it. Like uh, I thought it was, you know, it was a good place. Uh, and then we. I can't remember how, but I think Jess got involved with Gabe and Jesse via the library, and then that I met them. Sense. And it like just spiraled out into um yeah meeting actually like you said meeting community members uh, right. but i 100% agree with you where record hadn't been there i think i would have had a very similar experience to you in that like i wouldn't know yeah. where to go how to find community just what to do
0: google searches <laughs> don't right you know, no actually connect you to people so right. it's
1: you get those like pop up ads that it's like hot mums in your area oh. <laughs> <laughs> and i just want like friendly anxious queers willing to hang out you know, <laughs> and i would click that so quickly yeah
0: um oh, that'd be I'm, such a funny ad right? oh my god
1: like really anxious it yeah, wants to talk about their special interest with you and i'm like yes, yes i will
0: that would do also that. be a good podcast i think
1: oh
0: yeah absolutely
1: absolutely yes
0: <laughs> you've mentioned a couple times oh this gives me a reason to get out of the house right do you work at home i
1: do i work for myself trying to be no not trying to be an entrepreneur um yeah i i have worked i've also weird to say like i've run my own business but i have for uh yeah five six years now uh yeah i i call myself a movement specialist because i don't feel what i do is quite personal training hmm. uh, but i cannot call it physical therapy i didn't go to school for therapy right. um so i feel like i'm in this in-between space where my focus is much more pain management based than like fitness again often as a Training. and so my main areas of work are uh, preparing for and recovering from gender affirming surgery because it's a lot to do to to make that an easier process for yourself and your body and uh, resources so yeah, it's I, true yeah i wanted to uh feel that gap so to speak so preparing for and recovering from gender affirming surgery uh pain management uh i work a little Folks with uh, chronic pain, chronic illnesses, chronic conditions, or like situational pain, injuries like that. That makes sense. Uh, and as well, an overall building relationship with one's body. I think, especially for queer folks, especially trans folks, uh, that relationship can be challenging as yeah. you're figuring out your body. And I know I put my body through a lot, so. Yeah, Just trying to help people like be kind of soft. Yeah. I, I, I talk about on my Instagram a lot soft trans bodies, and from the attitude of both like physical softness, because I feel like so much trans represent- representation is like uh, incredibly built, muscled uh, trans men. And again, oh, there's nothing right. wrong with that, like, sure, great. But I think when that's the majority of the representation you see, and that's not your body, that's not your experience, it's like mine, there's nothing wrong with. Um, so, I put out Soft Trans Bodies, one to show like bodies can be soft and it's great. And also the implication of like be softer to yourself. We're so hard on ourselves.
0: I think sometimes I mean, on a very physical level, mm-hmm. we throw ourselves under the wheel, right? Yeah. Just this body has caused me nothing but mm-hmm. grief. Right. And I'm going to just
1: punish it. Punish Persistent. it essentially. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Uh,
0: and then, you know, going through surgery, preparing for surgery. I mean, just the the physical toll of preparing for surgery is something people don't really talk about very much. And then recovering is a whole pain situation, for sure. You have limited mobility. I had, like, a three-night hospital stay then came home and really just spent a lot of time in bed. But then the thing was I couldn't really be comfortable in bed without a whole complicated pillow set up. And... I didn't want to be on pain medicine, Mm -hmm. but I did for like the first week and it's just, it's so much like you can read about it and you can get the materials from your surgeon and then you actually go through it. And I think I pushed myself like too fast and Mm -hmm. to, to get through the recovery process. And I don't know that that was great for me, like just psychologically, I think physically it ended up being okay in the long run, but Overall, not not the best decision.
1: Yeah, you're, you're in this weird space where mentally, maybe the happiest I've ever been.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Even even that first week where it's so uncomfortable, like still wearing a binder because you've got to like keep everything together, and it's so uncomfortable. I I want to be careful about using the word painful, but it is painful. But sometimes just unbearably uncomfortable. Right. Over like pain, pain. Yeah. But mentally, just like wow like do not regret would do however many times (laughs) if i kept having to go back in time i'd make this decision every time but uh your body doesn't know that or your like again a lot of my work really dials down to like looking at the brain looking at hormone responses Mm. uh, nervous system responses especially i think for queer folks have a lot of trauma just Around, Absolutely. and that f- impacts the nervous system and that impacts the body the brain all of it so um, as much as there's this emotional euphoria, joy all goodness from a mental slash physical standpoint your body has been harmed and i know that that's kind of that might sound like a bleak but again very kind of like medically it it's, it's been harmed it impacted physically and so your brain, not only, I think it swaps. I think for a lot of our lives, at least my perspective, I shouldn't speak to the community, but I didn't feel emotionally safe in my body. And I got top surgery. And then for that a longer period of time, then again, I think we're given to recover. Yeah. My brain didn't feel physically safe in my body. It had been harmed. It's recovering from a significant, I'm doing air quotes, Injury. <laughs> um, but, you know, again, kind of very stepping back, surgery is an injury. It is a harm to the body. Um,
0: yeah, and in like a really literal way. Exactly. Yeah. Yes,
1: yes, exactly. So, from that very literal standpoint, and again, just how the brain is reacting to what has happened to the body, uh, I think recovery definitely needs to be much more guided through so many more resources, so many more options and support. In, any surgery, of course, I'm going to be biased to gender confirmation <laughs> surgery because it, it is life-saving. I know, isn't this the debate? It's not a life-saving surgery. And I'm like, it is.
0: It is, is <laughs> but also I think it's important even if it, even if even it if wasn't. Yeah. yeah.
1: I, that's a really great point. Yeah.
0: I think historically a lot of that care around surgery was just a community mm. thing. People right. who would be there for each other before and yeah. after surgery. During the pandemic, mm. that was not as much of an option. I have a good friend. Well, you just met them. They took your photo. But That's great, <laughs> thank you <yeah>. again. <laughs> but my, my friend Tate got surgery during the pandemic mm. and couldn't have anyone in the surgery center with them. Yeah. Recovery was very strange because I got to be around a bit during recovery, mm-hmm. but it was very much a choice to say, "Okay, well, I'm. This is going to be the the social risk I take is to be here, right. and I'm not going to." be in other places i think it's right around the same time like december 2020 so it's it's something that i think really changes that and being in a place like arizona where sometimes the community isn't as developed you don't always have that community support to lean on to so it sounds like the work you're doing is
1: yeah yeah trying to provide that in my own way um definitely uh, through like again the work that i do the services i um, just trying to bridge that gap a little bit, especially for what I feel is a really uneducated part of recovery. I feel like, at least in my experience, I wonder if yours will be similar. Like, okay, you have the surgery, recover for four to six weeks, and then you're fine from the, like, medical standpoint. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's a four to six-week recovery, and then you can do everything you did before. Like, you're, you're yeah. medically recovered, and it's like, I've barely moved for a month. I've been restricting, you know, my arm use for this length of time. I've been even more hunched over because of this discomfort. I've not slept well. Uh, There's an impact on, like, digestion from the anesthesia and things like that. That's going to mess with other other hormones in the body. Like, there is so much more than just waiting till the... Stitches aren't gonna over. right. or some arbitrary
0: Absolutely, deadline. It's not yeah. really the end of it.
1: 100. So, percent. And your
0: nerves have to stitch back together. Right.
1: There's so much going on in the body, and they really don't go into that with you. They don't talk to you about that. I am lucky. I had that knowledge just based on my job, my education, mm-hmm. uh, and I like learning about the body, uh, which is why I wanted to like bridge that gap. So I offer like one-on-one training for folks to like work with them in preparation and recovering from surgery. But one of the things I'm most uh, passionate about is uh, that kind of like what I would deem the recovery period, which is that four to six weeks period of time that you're still kind of under medical recovery. Yeah. Because that is the most limited. I think that's the most uncomfortable period of time. Like you said, I think a lot of people push themselves through that period of time a little faster to like get to where they want to be.
0: For a lot of that period of time, you're, just, or I was actively bleeding, right? right? Yeah, so, drains, yeah. like, <laughs> it's
1: yeah. not, it's not, you're not, like, I'm not sure if well is the right word, but you are, like, very actively recovering. Yeah. But I feel like it's it's very much like, oh, just don't do much, take your pain medication, and you'll be fine. <laughs> it's like, my back really hurts. Like, mm. And it's like, no, where are the resources? <laughs> Where's the information? Like, where is that that that, like you said, that community care of, like, okay, this mobilization doesn't require any arm use. It's going to target your low back. It's going to help you, like, release a little bit of that aggravation. Doing square breathing is going to kick kicking your parasympathetic nervous system, help keep your body calm, relaxed, feel safer in this very threatened environment your brain is existing in. And again, that's going to help with recovery. That is going to make it go faster without doing, um, you know, and just finding all that information, like, here's a gentle shoulder mobilization that, again, does require any lifting um moving of the arms again is just going to ease that upper back pain from being so hunched over from being crowded over yourself for that period of time um and so an uh, uh, online i'm not sure what i'd call it <laughs> uh resource let's call it resource movement genius reached out to me and we created a series together for top surgery recovery oh, cool. specifically for those first four weeks um, because once an individual is cleared for movement I'm happy to kind of, again, kind of work with one-on-one program for them, work with Uh WeatherMap to build a little bit more personally into what their body needs to feel and move better post-surgery. But I feel like that one to four weeks, I I feel like you should be prioritizing kind of like definitely resting. I don't think, I don't know if your brain fog was bad. Mine was terrible. I was just, yeah, completely fogged up for that kind of well because of the pain medication, because of the discomfort. So I don't think, I don't think it's an ideal time to be like, let's do an hour Zoom session. Right, <laughs> like, no, not at but all. But if you've got like a 10 minute video you can play, follow along with, yeah. that's way more accessible. So that's why we decided to do that.
0: But my experience is, like you were saying earlier, like if I look back <clears throat> at like selfies I have or pictures of me right. over the past five years or whatever, the first time I see like real smiles, it's, it's such a cliche, but it really is like at that moment. like the day after my surgery and it's ridiculous but you know i can i can think about that and i think that the easy thing to project onto that is like here's the moment where i felt great Mm -hmm. i did not feel great i felt awful and i it impacted my relationships Mm -hmm. it was none of it was easy for me it was a very stressful time even though i was so happy to get the surgery and that's something that i think really can easily be overlooked of like you are going through a traumatic moment, even though it's something that's getting you past other trauma you have. Right, right? And that's uh, I don't know, I've never really totally put it together that way, but I mean, if I had had better resources to prepare for that, process that, I think it probably would have helped me to just exist in myself and in community more uh. Peacefully, yes.
1: Yeah, I, I absolutely have Jess be able to take the time off work that she did, and she she was like she cared for me the whole um first week. You know that very. Uh, not everyone has drains. I did have drains, but like they're there. they're <laughs> <there. laughs> they they're hanging around. It's uncomfortable, and so having uh, a support system for that first week, I I get people messaging me like, oh, I. don't have anyone what do I do and I'm like (laughs) like and I I I don't say that blatantly but that's what I want to say I want to be like really shouldn't go through this alone and to think of the amount of people that have to have a situation they're heartbreaking and so I feel like the more resources we put out there that's only gonna help people I think
0: and going through it Alone sometimes doesn't mean actually alone. But I mean, going through it, if you have queer people, other queer people with Mm -hmm. you or other trans people with you, it's a very different experience than just having some kind of support network. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think before we wrap up, I'd really like to ask, now that you've been in Tempe for about a year, Mm -hmm. you have this really amazing set of connections through Brick Road, through the movement work that you do. What do you see as kind of like your immediate community future in Arizona?
1: I'd love to put more Yeah, to put more movement resources out there. I see a um your organization does like like bike nights mm-hmm. and runs yeah. and I love that and I've been trying to like find the time to like join because oh, cool. I, I I think that's such a incredible thing. Again, I kind of back to what we talked about before is people and trans people um, really don't get a chance to feel joy through our bodies a lot especially via movement again yeah. I think there is a lot of like restriction hiding making yourself small uh, don't draw attention and also like in the relationships with our bodies on eyes and shape and all these things and the discomfort in one's body like I still don't like running I'm never gonna be a runner but Going for a little jog after top surgery, I was like, oh, it's because they were bouncing. That's why I hated it. They don't do that anymore because they're not there. This is not nearly as bad. I still still don't like it. Still not a (laughs) runner. But just the like, oh, like peace connected. That's why it was so uncomfortable. And so I think, uh, yeah, providing more resources, more movement opportunity for folks to be like, one, you're safe here, as safe as. One environment can be for queer folks, uh, and to like, you know, go through things safely. You can get, just frankly, like more education on your body and how it works, and ways to again treat itself, treat it kindly, treat yourself kindly, um, because again, so much not only nailed it earlier. Do we punish our bodies for existing as trans folks? But that's the narrative of the world, isn't it? Like. Uh, push through the pain, um, right. grind, all these things. And I, I hate it. I hate it so much because it it's very aggressive and it is very negative. And it's this idea that that's morally superior to be able to like work so hard you hurt yourself, but you can then like keep going. I personally don't think that's a... No. No. So, <laughs> no. Right, it seems logical when we say it, but people still do it. Gets very sucked in. It's
0: very easy to buy into it.
1: 100. It's what we've been fed. At least my entire life, I'm a kid of the '90s. Like, my whole life, just this narrative of like push, 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 go, go, go. Um, and so, yeah, an opportunity to like, hey, slow down. Uh, sounds maybe a bit cheesy, but like, connect with your body rather than disconnect. Like, be present by a movement rather than using movement as an escape, the amount of times growing up that I used to get out of my body, yeah. too many, led to bad things, <laughs> but I, again, I think that's quite a common experience for a lot of people, so um, yeah, I think that's, that's, sure. I'd love to see myself and Arizona Tempe, word of it is, come <laughs> together in that, like, how great, bad, uh, accessible, joyful, spaces for queer folks like only
0: yeah that is actually
1: safe and for us and our time (laughs) yeah
0: gosh that's that is a really beautiful idea i think one day well thanks for talking with me today we should talk more about that actually right I really enjoyed that conversation, and MJ and I ended up talking for like another 20 minutes afterward about Queer People Fit and their own movement work, and I I loved it. I got a lot of really great ideas, which is actually a great opportunity to plug our upcoming event on Tuesday, November 15th, where we'll be taking an evening walk around an accessible trail at South Mountain Park. You can find out more about that at equalityarizona.org slash events. I want to thank MJ again for being my guest this week, and I want to thank all of you for listening.